It's time to raise the roof for our latest regular season podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This latest episode of Raise the Roof for the Rays keep winning and all of Major League Baseball gets put on watch and we start caring about teams that existed in the 1880s because apparently that's how life works. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to this latest episode and of a, Raise the Roof. Oh, apparently those Maroons were awesome. That Maroons team was like the best team of all time, apparently, because every I, record that we're breaking, apparently they've already done it. It's insane. I found out that apparently they basically rigged the season so that they could win. They like stacked the day. It was like before super teams were a thing. They made a super team, uh, and that's how everything came to be with that. That, so very... that team has that team has never been more relevant than they are right now. Like, it's, yeah, I it's mean, ridiculous. Hey, hey, good for them. Good for them. Honestly, I'm sure that there's still a lot of uh, holdover St. Louis Maroon fans that exist in the world. Maybe like three that don't exist anymore. But it's fine. Uh, Whatever. So yeah. So. <laughs> Welcome back to this latest episode of Raise the Roof. The Rays are playing out of their minds right now. They just swept the A's. Uh, me and me and Evan are on the pod, and we also have a special guest who I'll introduce in just a second. But Evan, quickly, I mean, can you try to contextualize what's going on right now? Because I don't think anyone truly understands. Even Rays fans don't understand what the hell is going on. No idea. I, I also have no idea what the hell the A's infield was doing today in whatever the third or fourth, whatever inning Lau had that grand slam. Zero. I mean, that was an absolute gift that we got to that point. I'm not going to lie. I do not understand what they were doing on, on that grounder to third and some, and Harold had awesome hustle on both of those plays, honestly, but I, I, it's awesome what they're doing on the field. Um, I mean, this, the starting pitching, I, I, a lot of people talk about the offense and yes, that's incredible, incredible, but I mean, back to back 10 win 10 plus run shutouts is also incredible. No matter who you play, I know, I know the schedule has been kind of fa- has been favorable so far, but it's winning eight in a row or winning sorry, winning nine in a row in any part of the season is tough, and let alone winning those games by four more runs. It doesn't matter who you play; that's incredible. Completely agree. Uh, so, with that being said, let's introduce our special guest. Uh, you guys might know him as someone who has been sharing the field a lot with Trisha Whitaker during Valley Sports broadcast, along with Dwayne and BA. Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, your first year with the Rays was last year. Or was it 2021? Last year would be the first last one. Year. Yeah, actually, coming okay. up on the on the year anniversary it was the end of April, where I I got an opportunity to do my first couple games against the Twins. So, uh, coming full circle up on a year, and and fellas, you know, fan of what you guys do. I know we've been trying to trying to have me on a, a you know a little bit here and going back and forth, and so really grateful to to be on and, and talk some race baseball with. Yeah, for sure. So um, uh, Ryan Bass from Valley Sports uh, is with us today, sideline reporter for the Rays. Um, We're really, really happy to have Ryan on. And what a better time to have uh, him on to talk about. uh, Like, I don't think that even us realize what the hell is going on. Because, again, when you start throwing out teams that played in leagues that don't exist anymore, that haven't played for 140 plus years, that you start bringing it just none of it makes any sense. Especially because, and, and we've talked about this before, just what happened in the offseason and what race fans expected compared to what actually happened. And now we're here and the offense is insane. We already knew that the pitching was going to be good, but just none of it makes any sense. I mean, Ryan, from your perspective, like how how have you tried to contextualize this? It, it, it just seems like chaos overload right now with this team. But wait a minute, guys. All I keep hearing about is that the Rays, 26 of the first 32 games are against teams under 500 from last year and uh, four that lost 100 games. Like, oh, they have such an easy schedule. That's why. Can we can we cut the crap with with the national narrative on that? Because it's what this team is doing. I don't care who they're playing They're It's not like they're eking out one run victories like they did almost all of last year. They are beating teams and beating them badly. I mean, they swept the the you know the Tigers. The Tigers, by the way, that that went on to take two or three from the Astros. So everybody talking about how Detroit's terrible in Houston. In Houston so too. They, they swept the Tigers. They swept the national the Nationals, and now they sweep Oakland. Oakland's not a very good baseball team. I think we found that out during this three game series. But you know, baseball's you know baseball's a funky sport. You know, you're not going to always beat up on teams that are that are projected to lose 100 games in the season. So you know, look, this team is really really good. Uh, you know, and I think you're starting to see that, um, you know, last year they, they were decimated by injuries and that certainly held them back a lot. But when you're talking about, as you guys mentioned, things that haven't been done since the 1800s, I don't care who you are. I mean, the, the 13th team to start nine and zero since 1903, uh, they are winning games. They're winning them handedly. They've had back to back games now uh, where they've won 11 to nothing. Most consecutive shutout wins by 10 or more runs. You know, the Rays joined the 1885 Giants 
you know, by second most to do that. And that's an active streak. Who knows tomorrow if they beat the Red Sox by 10, nothing, they could tie for the most. So, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful to see, um, you know, but I think that the key thing for me here, right. And, and what's impressed me most is, you know, the offense last year was limited. And I had a chance to chat with Chad Matola uh, prior to the, the series opener against the athletics on Friday. Uh, that's the Rays hitting coach for the record. And Chad's a UCF guy, by the way, so am I. So we, we share the same, the same love for our UCF nights, but, you know, I, I asked him, I was like, what's going on? Like, what, legitimately, break it down for me. Like, what, how has this offense gone from what looked like it was anemic last year to one of the best in baseball right now? And he said, well, first of all, he said last year they got humbled a little bit. You know, he, he compared it a little bit to like a Super Bowl hangover for a team that has won the Super Bowl, right? Like, you know, you, you have, they had such a really good year prior in terms of, you know, how good their lineup was offensively. Brandon Lau, you know, 30 homer, 99 RBI guy, for, for, for example, right? Wander Franco having a big breakout year in, you know, his rookie of the year season. And so, you know, you look at what their offense looked like last year and they were decimated by injuries, but he said they got humbled a little bit, right? They, they got brought back down to earth. And so now you're starting to see with a healthy one through nine lineup with guys like Wander hitting well and, you know, Harold Ramirez and Yandy Diaz and, and Manuel Margot and Brandon Lau and, uh, you know, these guys and, and the makeup of this lineup, Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe to have the two last two guys added to the roster come up the way that they have, you know, it, it really speaks to the depth that this lineup has and truly speaks to the simplified approach that they that they preached in the spring, which is swing it pitches in the strike zone. Don't go chasing pitches, right? Wait for your pitch. Try and really get, you know, try, try and take advantage of, you know, whatever pitches you see in the strike zone. And, and so that simplified approach by tweaking mechanics as well with some other guys like Luke Rayleigh, who had a big hand pump and a big leg lift, they kind of minimize that. And so being able to apply some of these new mechanics, but also really simplify their approach has led to a historic Historic start. You know, you mentioned the Maroons, but also how about the 1876 White Stockings or the 1939 Yankees, right? I mean, the Rays have nine straight wins by four or more runs. It's incredible. And it's not going to continue forever, but let's just enjoy it instead of talking about the teams that they've beaten because it really is historic what they're doing. And again, I think the other thing that's funny is that people complain and say that it's an easy schedule, but the fact that this hasn't happened in like 80 years means that no one else has done it in that span so you can you know that's the other side of it saying like well why hasn't another team done this in 80 years i mean again that's eight decades of time for people to be able to find out a way to do that and no one's done that so clearly and there's been some really good teams over that course of time agreed. like 100 percent. and you have, yeah it's what a, a couple 116 win teams number of teams that have won 100 games but i this is like just unprecedented what the Rays are doing right now. And A, I'll, I'll continue to say this, great for content because it just seems like something's happening every sort of game, every single game where um, someone's making a face, someone's making some sort of a um, gesture, whatever it might be. And then like we can clip that immediately or whatever it is and put it online and it immediately just continues to get uh, views and things in a way that, I mean, Evan, I don't know if you've been seeing I guess just like the interactions for us, but like I haven't seen something like this before. Like well, it doesn't make any sense. And it's cool that we're actually like in the new, in the national media for something good too. Like because they I were mean, just being, they were they were just on Sports Center. Like yeah, they, they were you know it's being but, a Rays fan. So oh sorry, cool. sorry. No, 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 no. I, 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 it's true, Evan. But I, the national narrative it's dominated by the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Astros and the Red Sox and the Cubs, and so. To see the Rays, who deservedly so, by the way. I mean, they've they've been a consistently good franchise. I mean, this would be their fifth consecutive postseason appearance if they were to make it this year. And that speaks volumes to, you know, a franchise that has one of the lowest payrolls in baseball and, and focuses on analytics and guys that fit well in the clubhouse. And think about all the the offseason changes that happened to them. I mean, you lost a lot of veterans. You know, you lost guys like Kevin Kiermeyer, who was a staple, um, you know, of this clubhouse. And Corey Kluber, uh, who was a nice veteran in the rotation, uh, and, and you look at what they've been able to do and how they've put these pieces together. And quite frankly, I think the personalities that they have really mesh well. And one of the minor things that Kevin Cash did this spring and carried over to the season that I think it's overlooked, but is something that has really worked for the chemistry is he rearranged the clubhouse a little bit. Uh, you know, pitchers were normally on, on one side altogether and 
you know, some of the, the, you know, the hitters were on another side and you had a lot of the Latin players grouped together and he basically switched it up. He intermingled, you know, Randy Rosarena is right next to Brandon Lau. You know, you have, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of these guys that are now positioned next to each other that allow them to have more of an interactive experience to get to know their teammates a little bit better, right? Christian Bethencourt uh, is sitting there, you know, right across from, from, you know, Harold Ramirez. I mean, it really gives these guys an opportunity to, to gel and, and to create and bond in, in a new way with their teammates. And so it's a small thing. It's something that you don't see on the field, but it's, it's, it's allowing the chemistry between these guys to be even stronger. You know, Taylor Walls is next to Jason Adam, two guys, maybe that would, that wouldn't really connect, you know, but now have an opportunity to do so. So, you know, it, it's, it's the, it truly is the, the mind of Kevin Cash, the way he manages his clubhouse, the, the, the group of players they brought in, the different personalities they have, the different skill sets they have. And by the way, we've talked about the offense, the pitching. The defense has been spectacular, too. I mean, think about Manuel Margot and the diving catch that he had in the opening series on opening day. I mean, that was a run saving. He had Jose Siri. Oh, we've the other talked night. about that in depth. Oh, my God. You know, Jose <laughs> Siri the other Evan, night Evan was great. Uh, Ryan, I was going to say, Evan has a, uh, he has a slight beef with Colin Pochet, and his leash on him is very, very thin. So the fact that uh, Margot has bailed him out twice so far this season already great <laughs> nine games through, uh, and and honestly, I'm very glad that that's like the one thing I can't complain about is that he is still getting the outs, but <laughs> but yes, very short leash with them. I, I really do like Colin Poche for the record. He's one of he's one of the guys. There's a few guys in the clubhouse, especially in that bullpen, that that I gravitate towards. These guys, the human beings, Ryan Thompson being the top of that list. Jason Adams, another one. Uh, Colin Pochet too. Like th- these are guys you want to see be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly, certainly hoping so. But I, honestly, when you think of how complete a team can be through, you know, through three series to be really good offensively, to be elite, they have 24 homers this year and they have given up a total of 18 runs. Like that's, that's nuts. That's, that is mind boggling to, for, for this team to have done that. So it's, it's really clicking on all cylinders and, and, and it's fun to watch. It's fun baseball. And, and yes, they've got, they've got four against the Red Sox coming up and the Red Sox, you know, by the way, they just came off a sweep, you know, they got swept at home by the pirates, but, um, but they're coming off a sweep. So they're not, you know, they're not a pushover. Um, so I think we're going to start to see what this team is made of, especially when you get into May, because beginning of May 5th, they play 23 games in 24 days against the Yankees, the Orioles, Mets, Brewers, Blue Jays, Dodgers. Like that's the gauntlet they're going to go through. So, you know, get these wins against teams you're supposed to beat out of the mm-hmm. way, and then let's see how how, how they measure up against well, the baseball mess. And guess what? I mean, I don't know when Glass now is supposed to come back, but I'm assuming it's going to be probably maybe it'll be May. May. It'll it'll, late, it'll be mid May probably. Yeah, and that, they're not going to push him with the oblique because the that oblique injury can can flare up, and so they're going to. By the way, they don't need to rush him back. Like, yeah, look at exactly. the rotation right now. Like the fifth the fifth starting position is obviously the one that you have questions about, but. If Fleming isn't getting it done, they're going to do what they're doing, which is probably planning on pitching Beaks tomorrow, or they can call up Patino or or have Torinos come up. Right there, there's there's options. They could go with an opener role in that fifth spot, right, and just rotate guys based on matchups. So, you know, I, I think you give give Tyler as much leash as he needs to make sure he's right, because when he comes back, like, can you imagine what Drew Rasmussen being this team's fifth starter? Like, it's it's crazy to think of just how good this rotation is i think people were sleeping on this rotation i thought it was the top three rotation in baseball coming I mean, everybody's talking about the yankees and you know and, and the astros uh you know having you know the mets having these great rotations the rays have top to bottom maybe the best rotation of baseball so i mean so yeah. far they do when rasmussen is the fifth starter he hasn't given up a run yet so far this year so i mean through 13 yeah. innings zero runs for your fifth starter we'll take that any day of the week so and, and I did want to say, speaking of, because Ryan, you mentioned the payroll part of it, the fact that they've been able to piecemeal this together with not really spending a lot of money on players. I mean, I went to the Phillies game today, which was my first MLB game of the season. So I was really excited about that. And I mean, just think about the guys that they've brought in. I mean, I know that Real Muto was, they traded for him, but they signed him to a massive extension. They signed Schwarber for like $80 million. They just signed Trey Turner for $300 million. They brought in Castellanos for a hundred mil. I mean, just the amount of guys and, that they've built on that team. And, and they blew it. Yeah, and, Har- and, and then Harper, Harper for 300 mil too. And I, I think and, you know, they won two out of three against the Reds. But, you know, people trying to use this narrative, the Phillies are a much better team than the Reds. And the back end of their bullpen uh, absolutely just dismantled themselves today and blew a four. Uh, they were up 4-2. They I think they gave up a run in the eighth and then um, gave up a bases clearing double in the ninth to lose 6-4. 
So, you know, that's another example. Like if the Phillies are spending this much money, considerably more than the Rays, and the Phillies just came off of going to the World Series, then the Phillies should be able to sweep the Reds no problem. And that didn't happen. So, you know, that that sort of a thing is, again, why this is so ridiculous, because even good teams are losing to bad teams. And it just seems like... I mean, the Dodgers lost, like... The Dodgers lost like eleven to three today against the Diamondbacks. I know the Diamondbacks are better than they were in Pat in yeah, years but past. Yeah, but still the Diamondbacks. But, but still, like it happens. It happens in baseball, and it's incredible yeah, how it doesn't. None of this makes any sense. Had that happened yet this year? So yeah, and, I mean, and keep, keep in sense. mind, by the way, like last year, the Rays struggled against teams that were under five hundred, especially towards the end of the season. Now I, we're talking again about a team that was decimated by injuries, right? You had Manuel Margot out for a significant amount of time. You had Arguably, your two best, you know, two of your best hitters in the lineup, Wander Franco and and Brandon Lau, who who played, I think, you know, combined maybe eighty games or so. So, you know, you again, you look at this lineup and and you look at this team, and I don't think last season was an indication of how good they can really be. Mm-hmm. And they didn't beat up on the teams they were supposed to last year. They are doing that they, to start this year, they, and so they got, that they they got swept in Cincinnati last year, yeah. like that. I mean. No, and I like re- everything that seemingly went wrong for the Rays last year went wrong, and and they still made the playoffs. Like and it, it was that, a social experiment. If that is was a social experiment. If that isn't like the epitome of the Rays for, as a franchise, then I don't know what it is because it. Yes, maybe their depth didn't show last year, but it showed enough to make the playoffs, which is still incredible. And and also, we, and we're forgetting about Zanino too. He was an All Star two years ago, had thirty plus home runs, and. Didn't have him for, I think we had him for like maybe two weeks last year or something like that, maybe a month. Like that was another big bat and a veteran that we missed out on last year too. So, yeah, I don't think that the, like, I don't think any other team goes through what the Rays went through last year and makes the playoffs. Like maybe a handful, but like, you know, I say it as a joke that it was a social experiment because I think the Rays just try to test the limits of like physics to see what can happen. Because I think it was like a, maybe it was like the baseball gods being like, we're going to throw you every single solitary thing that can go wrong in a season. And we still want to see if you can be good enough. And they were good enough. And guess what? We, we, we won one less game than the Phillies did last year. Like that's pretty ridiculous. I think. And I know the Phillies did get hot in the playoffs. Like that, that happens in baseball, but still. And then Christian Javier came around and I had to watch that in person. So that was interesting. Pretty pretty cool. That was pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, it was like, I, I didn't want the Astros to win, but I mean, it, it happened, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I guess just a quick recap of the series. So the last two games have been um, where 11 nothing shutout wins. Uh, Friday's game was a 9-5 victory. The Rays put up a sixth spot in the second inning. I'm just going to go back and try to figure out whatever the – because there's too many runs scored for me to figure out things. Logically. I covered that game. Which which, which one would you like to know? Because Isak probably set the Grand Slam in the, in the I, second I, inning. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought that was – the Grand Slam. I thought off uh, the bat that was going to be like 500 feet. I couldn't believe that almost didn't get out. I, I don't like, – th- <laughs> that was the funny thing. Like when he hit it, he leaned as if he maybe had lost the ball and thought it was going foul. Like I, it made me lean because I was like, wait a minute, is that ball going to be fair? And it was clearly fair. Like he it, demolished that baseball. It was such a, it was such like a, I don't know. It was such a weird swing. Like it was like off the bat. I was like, holy crap, that just went 450. And I was like, and the, and the fielder like acted like he was going to catch it. Maybe he was just deking out the runners, which was a smart play. But I was, I couldn't believe my eyes when it was like third row. I was like, holy crap. I thought that was and going then, way gone. And then you have Harold's home run today that went 440. So you have a Harold. tale of two, you know, two different sides there where you have Paredes' home run that was like, Javi Baez in the, what was it, 2015-2016 playoffs where it looked like it was going to go a mile and it landed in the basket. And then you have Harold's <laughs> home run that was a line drive off the bat and went 440. So, that was, by two the extreme way, opposites. By the way, that was a 441-foot blast, the furthest home run of his career. Okay, and it marked the furthest home run by a race since Austin Meadows against the Blue Jays in 2021. So, uh, again, you don't No one hit of, 140 last year? That's... Farthest, farthest of his, yeah. Look, I guess, guess not. Oh, damn. According to, to to Ray's PR, but um, again, you don't think of Harold Ramirez as a power hitter, right? You don't think of him as somebody who's going to to belt the ball, you know, out of the ballpark. And so they're getting homers. I think it's ten or eleven different guys now of Homer on this roster, uh, which again I speaks to the, the, <laughs> yeah, it speaks to the the 
just the diversity of this lineup. And, and, you know, you have, and, and keep in mind, Jose Siri, who just went on the IL was off to a scorching start as well. He had, you know, prior to the, the Oakland series, he had led the team in RBIs coming. In. Mm-hmm. That's also not a guy you think is going to contribute, you know, to that degree offensively. So they're getting it done from so many guys, which, which I think, and, and, and keep in mind, they've got, you know, they've got guys in the minors that could come up and, and, and impact this lineup now. So, you know, this is sure. a, this is definitely a, a, a deep, a deep roster. And I think you're starting to show they were projected as what, like an 87, 86 win team this year. I think this is clearly a 95 plus win ball club for sure. And I think it benefits them that they're going to play less games in their own division. They're going to play the Yankees and the Orioles, uh, you know, and the Blue Jays less, which I think is going to be good because the Orioles are better this year. Um, What is it, 13 times instead of 19? I think it's 13 instead of 19. I think that benefits them. Yeah. yeah sure. And I mean, Harold has looked. It's, it's 11 guys. So I don't know if you can see, but there you go. Harold has definitely filled up the set through nine games. Harold already has half of the home runs he had last year, which is incredible. Like good for him though. That's good. Like Wander. Wander's got a team Wander's leading up. four homers, right? Yeah. And, I mean, there's nobody swaggier in baseball that hits a, hits a homer pops a you know, a bubble, you know, from bubble gum and then tosses his bat. I mean, to, to see, to see the way he's hitting too has to be encouraging as well because you know the, the way Wander goes sometimes you know when he has multi-hit games I think the Rays were like what I don't know like 10 games over 500 games where he has you know multiple hits so you know as he goes he kind of is able to lead that offense so everything that could go right has gone right so far you just have to stay healthy that is the one thing with this team you know if, if guys start to go down and, and Siri was a fluke injury and there was talk about Taylor Walls uh, who who tweaked something, you know, in the last game, obviously he's not going on the IL, so he's okay. But, you know, as long as these guys can stay healthy, I think they're going to compete here in the American league for sure. And and possibly compete for, for an ALE step. Yeah. I, I agree. Sure. I did want to say, because you mentioned Austin Meadows um, and we found out about the news that um, he's going to be taking an extended leave of absence to deal with some mental health issues. And I know that that's something that plagued him last year. Uh, so a, it's great to see that the tigers seemingly, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure that a bunch of teams, if not all teams in baseball, have mental health resources available for players to go to. But, um, you know, I hope that he gets all that he needs. Um, I know he started out the season really well in that Tiger series, um, but all the best for him um, from us. I just know that that's I mean, I can't imagine what he's going through. And I, I'm sure it's definitely a lot for him. So uh, definitely um, sending our best out to Austin for that. Without I, I'm really glad you brought that up to Alex, because I do want to say this and, and I had the opportunity before I worked um, with Bally when I was at the sports director at Channel 10, um, CBS in Tampa, to, to spend time with Austin Meadows. And he's an unbelievable human being. Um, he's so kind. He's so giving of his time um, and gracious. And anxiety is real. I mean, I struggle with anxiety. I've, I've battled depression, um, you know, in my life as well. And, and you know, a lot of people see athletes as as kind of immune to that potentially, right? As someone who's you know, they're, they're these large personalities that, you know, but they're human. And, and so I'm, I'm really grateful for, you know, Austin Meadows being able to be transparent with this. And I think he can help a lot of people that struggle with the same thing. So, um, you know, truly, truly wishing him well and hope he takes all the time that he needs to, to, to feel right and get right because, uh, you know, he's, he's an incredible human being. Mm, for sure. Uh, mm. So Ryan, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about you because this is your second season with the Rays. Um, you being already involved in the area with, um, uh, you know, uh, ten Tampa Bay ten. I know we had on uh, Evan Klotsky uh, a couple episodes ago, so that was nice to have him on. So you know, the connection continues there, and you being um, a local guy because I know that we've had on USF and UCF guys, and I don't want to get into the war on I four stuff because that's going to cause uh, rifts in the rifts in the. Um, in the space-time continuum with college sports in Florida. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is uh, when it came to, uh, well, A, how did an opportunity with Valley come up for you um, to get the opportunity to cover the Rays? And was that something that had ever crossed your mind? And, or was it more of something that kind of was just offered to you and you took it? I appreciate you, Alan, asking Alex. And um, yeah, this has been a dream job of mine for a long time. Um, you know, I, my father grew up in St. Petersburg. He went to St. Pete High School. Uh, when I was a kid, while I grew up in Miami and I grew up a Marlins fan, and I was pretty spoiled growing up since that team had won two World Series, you know, in my time in, in my youth. Um, I actually would fly to St. Pete all the time to visit my grandma. Uh, you know, she would take me to the Trop where I'd see Fred McGriff and Wade Box, you know, playing for the Rays. Um, so, I, you know, at 11 years old, I was exposed to this franchise, and 
uh, really fell in love with this area. Uh, like I said, my dad is from here. So I've, I've grew, you know, very fond of St. Petersburg from a young age. And, you know, when I, when I first moved here and worked for, for Bright House Sports Network, um, you know, I'd always envied and, and looked up to, um, you know, the talent that had been at what was, you know, Fox Sports Florida. Um, you know, I grew up watching, you know, Fox Sports Florida, whether it was, you know, Miami Heat broadcasts, um, you know, with Jason Jackson and Eric Reed and uh, Will Manso, you know, down there, who's a, who's a mentor of mine. And, um, you know, I'd always looked at, you know, a lot of the talent that came through the Fox Sports Florida pipeline, you know, whether it's the, um, you know, Laura Rutledge, uh, you know, who's who's been through or Kelly Nash, um, you know. There has been so many that, you know, I've, I've reached out to, I've gotten to know and, and have been so grateful for. And so, you know, it's a long-winded way of saying this, this, this opportunity has kind of been, you know, on my mind and, and in my sights for quite some time. I actually had a chance in 2016 uh, to join this broadcast crew and uh, things didn't work out at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I stayed in contact with, you know, all of the folks here, you know, at what was Fox Sports Florida and, and turn into Valley and, um, you know, continued to follow up and always stayed in touch. And uh, when I left, you know, WTSP and uh, the end of 2021, uh, you know, I reached out and just said, hey, guys, you know, I'm, I'm going the freelance route. And I, you know, if you need me, I'm here. And, um, you know, lo and behold, and, and thank goodness, um, there were some opportunities and, and an opportunity to help fill in. Um, and I didn't care if it was one game or it was 162 games. I was internally grateful for the opportunity to just be able to live out a dream. And last season uh, doing that, it was the greatest joy of my life. Um, and, and I am so grateful to, you know, Brett Updike and Vanessa Lambert, my two bosses at, at Valley sports and, and our entire Valley team, you know, Dwayne and BA and rich and Doug uh, and Trisha. Uh, I cannot speak kindly enough of the way that they have welcomed me, but especially Trisha Whitaker, you know, these jobs are very coveted. Um, and, and in our industry, there could be a lot of competition. And Trisha has been nothing but incredible to me. Um, she has shared the spotlight. She has shared storylines that she hasn't used in games with me. She, uh, we, we work really well together as a tandem. Um, and I think her lack of an ego and, and her ability to be truly, um, you know, truly open her heart to share. I mean, it's, it's touched me. It's, it's been awesome. And so we have a really good broadcast team here. And, you know, the additions of Matt Joyce and Denard Span, I think have been awesome. And, and those two are going to be spectacular with us all year long. And, and so truly like it, it has been my greatest honor to be able to, to do this job and every single opportunity I get a chance to go out there at the ballpark and, uh, and report on this team and be in the clubhouse and chat with the guys and um, you know, really help educate and inform Rays fans. Um, it's, it's the greatest job in the world. And so, Really excited to have it, and hope I continue to have it for quite some time. So, are, oh wait, are I, you? I don't know. Are you at all still a Marlins fan? Or yes, yes, I, I do. I, I do still really care for for the Marlins. I will say I don't really watch as many games. Obviously, I mean, I I spend all my time, you know, focusing on on this ball club and, and the teams that are playing. But I do still have love for that franchise. Um, you know, it, it obviously 1997 and two thousand three were very special to me. That two thousand three team. Um, you know, I think it was one of the most special teams in baseball history, you know, with Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell and Juan Encarnacion and Juan Pierre and Ugi Urbina. Uh, you know, I mean, you go up and down that they had so many unsung heroes. It reminds me a lot of what this team could be, right? I mean, they had, you know, Brad Penny and uh, Carl Pavano. They had some, you know, they had a really good rotation. Uh, A.J. Burnett, you know, the, that Marlins team from 2003 and some some guys that were maybe overlooked from a hitter's perspective, you know, some veterans like a, like a, you know, Jeff Conine that were on that roster. Um, you know, they made some moves at the deadline to, to help cement, you know, Urbina was a deadline trade to, to get a, a lockdown closer. Um, you know, I, I, I think this club has a lot of the same magic that that 2003 world series champion Marlins team was. So I still care about them. I still got my, you know, my Marlins gear. Um, but I don't wear it much anymore these days because uh, I'm, I'm very loyal to this Tampa Bay franchise and, um, you know, feel like I'm a part of it. And so, you know, I've got my, my Rays gear on right now and got my, my Devil Rays hat here not too far. So throwback season. I like this hat, by the way. This, these, this throwback year that they did this year is like yeah, I awesome. Picked, I picked this up off, off – I mean, it's not, it's not the same thing. I picked this up off like eBay for 15 bucks. So that it. was a – yeah, it was a good buy. Uh, That's I've been, sweet. I've been, I've been on the Devil Rays kick for – for quite a bit now i think that's going to be like everyone for the next year is just going to be trying to get as much uh throwback stuff as they can i i kind of a follow-up question to that too i love asking journalists this question in terms of like sports journalists 
typically they move around a lot. So how do you like, how do you become so invested in the team without becoming so invested in that? Like it hurts too much when you move on, if that makes sense. Like, like you make the connections with the players and you obviously want to make those business and personal connections with them. But how do you make it not that deep in terms of like, Oh, I could possibly move on soon. Like if the, not that that's going to happen. Just, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, are you kicking me out already, Evan? No, no, no. You're sending, no. You're sending me to another, sending me to no. another ballet sport somewhere. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm joking with you. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's the same thing that players kind of go through, right? It's a business, um, and I think there's a mutual understanding on that side, you know. And um, you know, sometimes guys like, for example, Kevin Kiermaier didn't want to move on. You know, he didn't he didn't want to leave this franchise, um, but the opportunity just wasn't here, and there was an opportunity for him in Toronto, and so you know. With in this business, especially the, the the sports journalism industry, you know, you, you go where the, the jobs are. And, and look, if you know, if for some reason, you know, I, I wasn't invited back for next season, or or didn't have an opportunity here, you know, with with Valley Sports Sun or Valley Sports Florida, you know, I you know, I would obviously be looking, you know, elsewhere to to continue my career. And so, you know, you build relationships with guys and, and with teams and with broadcast groups. And um, you know, I've been on many teams and and have been in many, you know newsrooms uh, in my career. And so, you know, I think, you know, it's building, it's networking, it's having those relationships and uh, being grateful for opportunities and making the most of those opportunities. And um, yeah, it would be incredibly difficult, you know, if, if I had to move on. Um, but, you know, if, if if there was some other opportunity out there that I felt was was better for my career or, or for me long-term or for my development, um, you know, obviously I, I would welcome, you know, those opportunities, but I love where I'm at now. I love this this team and this broadcast group um, and and truly grateful and excited every single time I get to go out there and, and help at the ballpark. And so, um, yeah, I hope I, I hope I had this gig for a very long time. <laughs> we do too, sure. we do too, for the record. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to have our SeatGeek ad run. If you guys haven't used it, uh, raise the roof, get you $20 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Use that, go to the trot, fill the trot up. Hi everyone, Alex here with a quick word from our newest sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is your one-stop shop for tickets for everything from live theater and concerts to sporting events like Rays games. SeatGeek uses a color-coded scale to show you where the best deals are, with green being good and red being bad. If you haven't used SeatGeek before, we have a special deal just for you. Use code RAISETHEROOF, that's RAISE spelled R-A-Y-S, at checkout for $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Again, that's code raise the roof for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Thanks so much to SeatGeek for sponsoring us, and let's get back to this latest episode of Raise the Roof. And we're back on this latest episode of Raise the Roof. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is like a god right now with the Blue Jays. Uh, so, like, good for <laughs> him. RBI today. Also, also pain. So, great stuff. He's batting 400. <laughs> It's he went. Kiermaier went three for five on uh, Sunday, April 9th with five RBIs, including the go-ahead double. Uh, I love it. I love him, man. I I want KK to do well. I'm excited. Look, the Rays are going to get get a chance to see him up close and personal uh, this next upcoming weekend. It's their first trip to Toronto. I will be uh, there in Toronto, so I'm excited to catch up with KK and uh, hopefully see a a Rays sweep of a divisional foe. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, so what I wanted to do, Ryan, because I did, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you this yet, but when it comes to your schedule with the team, because I know that you and Trisha switch on and off, and I know that she has the not new gig, but continuing gig that she has with Apple TV, where she's going to Friday night baseball games and, and helping out with them. What's your schedule like? How many games do you have laid out for you over the course of the year that you're doing? And do you help out in other ways? Or I guess, how does that how, how does your current situation and position work with Bally? So I'm grateful that, you know, Bally wanted to extend their bench, if you will, um, and have additional talent to help fill in, but to also, you know, add, you know, their talents to the team. And so, you know, last year when I signed on with Bally, I was told 25 games uh, and it ended up being 49, uh, which was amazing. I didn't expect that, you know, to, to double up on the, on the schedule last year. Um, this year, I, I want to give a very special thank you to Apple TV for continuing <laughs> to bring Trisha on because that has opened up opportunities for me. Uh, so, 
And I, I joke with Trisha and tell her this all the time. I hope Apple gives you more and more games because so, yeah, you should, you should probably do more of those, games. do yeah. more of those games. Um, but in, in all seriousness, um, Trisha is incredibly talented, um, you know, and is, uh, as hardworking as an individual as I've been around, um, and, and her schedule is insane. Um, and to be able to balance what she does for us, but to also be as informed to, um, truly crush it on those Apple TV Friday night broadcasts is amazing. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, with her uh, Apple TV opportunities, uh, it does allow me the chance to do more games this year. Um, and, and also I, I do get a chance to host a lot too. I'll be doing about 25 games this year where I'll be on the desk uh, hosting for Ray's live uh, the pre and post game show or doing some other hosting opportunities with, with Bally. And so, I'm in, incredibly grateful for that. That is where I feel most comfortable for the record. Hosting is, is my bread and butter. Um, it's, it's where most of my career has been. Uh, when I was down at CBS Sports in Fort Lauderdale, I was a national host. I hosted, you know, fantasy football shows and, uh, you know, gambling shows and, and NFL shows. And so um, it, it is truly where I feel at my best. I was actually the greatest, the greatest gig that I had with the Rays last year uh, was my last game. And I was able to host um, their, their clinching game in Houston when they clinched, you know, and were able to secure a playoff spot. And that, that was the most fun night of my entire life. Uh, you know, fun night of my career to date for sure was being able to cover on the fly, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a playoff clinching celebration. And so that was, that was awesome. Um, and, and really, really, really cool for that team to do it, uh, in Houston. Uh, because if you remember Houston clinched in Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay put up a, you know, a banner on the scoreboard saying, congratulations to, you know, the, the Astros for clinching the playoffs and, and Houston actually returned the favor, did the same for the Rays when they clinched nice. last year in Houston. So, um, but to answer your question, a very long winded way, um, I will probably do anywhere from 60 to 70 games this year, um, which again is I'm eternally grateful. Um, you know, if I, if I did just one, I would be grateful and, and to do it 60 to 70 times is going to be great. And so, you know, I think our team is awesome. I'm, I'm so excited. I've, I've got two games down, you know, opening day and then this last Friday and, Honestly, this month, um, I will have 10 total games in total. So I'll be on the Blue Jays series. Um, I'll be doing something, you know, for the Red Sox game this Wednesday. You know, I'll be able to, to, to cover the White Sox at home. Um, I'll fly to, 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 to Chicago at the end of the month uh, for the White Sox series as well. So um, I got about 10 games this month. And then, you know, I, you'll, be, you'll be seeing me a bunch um, in, in April and May. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it truly is so much fun, guys. And it gives me an opportunity to meet, you know, people like yourselves and, and to and to really interact with Rays fans. We, we really have an awesome fan base. Like I, I despise the national narrative about our fan base because when, you know, first of all, I, I despise the conversation about the trap because I tell everyone, everyone's like, oh, you know. It's America's like people, ballpark. We have tried to, we, we need to trademark that name at this point. Boys, the amount of times that we say it. <laughs> let me, let me explain something. And I say this to every single person that may say something negative about the trap. I said, have you been to Florida in July? And I say, there is nothing greater. And I mean this, there's nothing greater than walking from the parking lot, dripping sweat in a suit, and then opening the door to the trop and being blasted in the face with air conditioning. Well, it is great. It is grand to be able fun. to enjoy baseball in the middle of July in Florida in AC. Well, that fun fact about that, but we, me and my mom went down to the trop because I'm from North Carolina. So my connection to the race through the Durham Bulls. But um, we we made the trip trip down last Memorial Day for the Philly series, and my mom, when we were going in the second game, she it started a thunderstorm, and she's like, "Oh shoot! Like, is the game game's gonna be postponed, right?" And my I was like, "Mom, it's an indoor stadium." <laughs> like, mom, come on, you knew that. But yeah, and I, I was actually having that conversation with my brother, my younger brother, who is a Marlins fan actually, but. He was like, "Oh well, you should you should have a retractable roof." I was like, "Dude, they didn't have those bad. The trap was built in like '86, I think, or something." 1990. I think. Oh, okay. I think it started in '86, but I was like, "They didn't have. I don't think they had that technology back then." So, it's, no, it, it, no, hap they it happened. So, and 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 you know, if this new ballpark comes to fruition in St. Pete, which you know we all certainly hope that it does, uh, it'll have a roof similar to what the uh, you know the LA Rams have in los angeles where it's an open aired roof where you can have air flowing through it so it'll still kind of have a roof on top of it but it'll be open air uh which i think is a really cool concept for here as well so you can kind of have a little bit of the out outside feel but still enjoying uh some air conditioning in the summer because it is the greatest thing it really is even in april as i, I live literally two blocks from the trop and 
my girlfriend makes fun of me because she's like, you're going to drive. You could walk there. I'm like, have, do you walk outside? It's, I drip sweat the minute I walk out the front door. Like I, anything I could do to reduce the, the amount of time I have to get into the air conditioning and the drop, I will do. Um, so America's ballpark for sure, fellas. Because Unless you it, bring a change of clothes every time, but <laughs> and, you're on, and, and you're on TV too. So it's not like. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But, and, but that, goes, that goes off of what I was saying earlier in terms of like the national narrative of this nine game winning streak by four more runs. That's another cool thing is because 99% of the time when the Rays are on ESPN, it's their ballpark sucks. They have no fans. Their payroll is so low. It's finally nice to have that. Oh, wow. It's actually nice to have a story on SportsCenter when a Rays fan <laughs> leaves. It's like I'm proud. Like I'm always proud to be a Rays fan, but especially then. Like it's it's very nice to have that. And by the way, like like people can can rag on the attendance or, or this or that. But like this, like this entire ball club, like top down does so many creative things to not only get fans at the ballpark, but give fans a really good deal to see an incredible baseball team. Like whether it's the $10 tickets and $6 beers or the the giveaways they do, like the, the, how active they are in trying to reach the community. Like, again, the, the, this organization is filled with some incredible people, um, you know, people behind the scenes that, you know, fans don't even know exist, you know, a Melanie lens, for example, um, who's been with the organization for years and, you know, it, you could feel her influence, you know, from top down. So it's, it truly is like, I, I just love the way they, they do the outreach. I, I, I encourage more people. Like I get it. I get the whole crossing the bridge. Like I went to Orlando like on Thursday and it took me three hours to get to Orlando. Okay. So I, I understand the dynamics of not wanting to drive from I four or drive across the bridge, but, you know, to see this baseball team play and to enjoy the, the perks of the ballpark and, um, to come and you know and, and watch a really good baseball team, like you know, I, I really hope Rays fans take take the opportunity. By the way, to to get a forty nine dollar a month pass to see as many games as you want, like that's unheard of. That's three dollars a game. That's if stupid. I if, if I lived in the area, I would have been all over that deal. That was awesome. I, when I saw it's that, amazing. I couldn't believe my eyes. I thought that was it's amazing. It, it is that, a really, I thought that was genius. Something of note because the other big thing that people make a big deal about is that the Rays haven't hosted um, an All Star game at the Trop. Uh, so like who gives a crap because again, this is the only, I, I think the trop is going to be the only stadium that hasn't done it yet. The trop is the only stadium to have hosted a final four. So take that go. all of major league baseball. And also, uh, sorry, Evan Duke lost that, that national championship game. So was that, to to UConn? was that yeah, the UConn? Was that the UConn's first? Not, the 99. You're welcome. Yep. You're welcome. It was a good time. <laughs> it was the only, it's the only championship UConn won outside of the state of Texas. And it came to trop to get a field. Yep. I made it. I made a joke about that on Twitter. I was like, if people want to, you know, continue with the uh, another another reason to love the trop is is that Coach K lost the national championship game there. So yeah, I don't yeah. like that reason. Oh uh, well, that's fine. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't care. You went to you went to Maryland. You can give up the Duke narrative. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, quickly, I want to go over the Boston series, um, and we're gonna try to do that quickly because Ryan, I don't want to take too much more of your time because I know that you got a, you got a busy schedule going on for the next couple of days. So. I guess just quickly from the Rays side of things, uh, it's a four-game series that starts tomorrow, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday is going to be a 1.10 p.m. Uh, start. The other three games are going to be 6.40. Uh, on the mound, we have Nick Pavetta versus Jalen Beeks uh, on Monday, so that's going to be a, a bullpen day for the Rays. Uh, Tuesday, TBD versus Sugar Shane. Wednesday, Chris Sale versus Zach Eflin. And then Thursday is Corey Kluber against Jeffrey Springs. So we'll see uh, some former Rays guys um, on the bump for the Red Sox. And I'm trying to think if there's any other. I, I, I feel like there's other connections, Rays, Red Sox connections of guys that got signed in the office. Heim, Heim, well, Heim, Heim Bloom is one, obviously. But that's well, the, yeah, well, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm try, I, there there might have been another guy who got signed that I'm just blanking Ryan, you said you're doing, you said you're doing the Wednesday game, right? Yeah. I'll be nice. on Wednesday's game. That'll be yeah. Uh, yeah. even more even more people might be watching because that's the ESPN Plus game of the day. So there you go. I if they don't it. have if you go. don't have MLB TV, then you can watch it on ESPN Plus. There you go. So yeah. So with that, um, I mean that's a, it should be a favorable series uh, for the Rays. I know that the Red Sox just came off of um, uh, some success over the weekend. I forget who they did they play. Who did they play? They played, they played Detroit. Detroit. They just swept Detroit. Okay, okay, Detroit. okay, that's what I thought because I, I was paying more attention to the Rays thing at Citizens Bank Park than I was anything else. But the Red Sox scoreboard bug was like right above that, so I was trying to low key uh, follow that. But it was more of the 
seeing the Rays continuing to score and me being like, what the hell is going on? But that's another story. So, yeah, so four-game series against the Red Sox should be a favorable one. I guess, Evan, starting with you, and again, you're trying to keep this quick, uh, are there any keys to the series that you have besides just what has been going on, maybe um, locating or pinpointing some things that the Red Sox do well that you want the Rays to try to exploit? I mean, it's it's going to be tough, but limit, limit Devers. Devers came off a game yesterday where I think he had two home runs, including one grand slam. He's a generational talent. Uh, that goes without saying. He's freaking incredible. Um, them not having Xander's, thank God, because he always hurt the Rays. I mean, he's a great player anyways, but he specifically always hurt the Rays. It seemed like every series he did something impactful. And thank God Renfro's not on that team anymore because it him hitting home runs against us hurt even more considering what he did in through the, uh, I mean, he had a, that huge grand slam too in 2020, but I won't forget that Renfro. But I mean, I think limiting Devers, obviously it is simple, but keep doing what we're doing. If we hit home runs and we score 10 runs again, it's tough to beat us with how good our pitching is. Um, but yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to see what McClanahan does given his last start against the Nats wasn't the best. It wasn't awful, but he did look a little bit shaky. Um, five hits, four walks. It's just very non-characteristic of him limited the damage the walks are very non-characteristic yeah. race pitchers too like limiting walks and limiting limiting walks and limiting homers that's their key to success mm-hmm. and i'm i'm just looking forward to how he bounces back in that tuesday game ryan is there anything that you think um you want to pinpoint in the series that would be of note for a key yeah i mean to echo a little bit what evan was saying i mean this is this sets up really nicely for tampa bay boston by the way they swing the bats pretty well. I mean, they're averaging almost seven runs a game. You know, the Rays are obviously, you know, almost nine runs a game, I think now. So, you know, that's going to be a test, obviously, for this pitching staff. But Boston's pitching has not been very good. They're, they're giving up, like, almost six runs a game. You know, opponents are hitting 261 against that pitching staff. Um, so they are gonna, they're going to have an opportunity to continue to score runs. Um, and I think this sets up nicely for Tampa Bay because you've, you've got three, you know, of your top four pitchers going in the series. Um, you know, do I think that they're going to end this series, you know, with a four game sweep and continue this undefeated streak at some point, this is going to end, you know, but it's, it's fun to, to continue on. The one thing I will say is Adam Duvall has been big for the Red Sox. He actually is having x-rays taken um, right now after he appeared to, to, to injure his left wrist uh, on a play in the outfield. So his health could be key. Um, you know, if he's unable to go, which I wouldn't expect that he would be in tomorrow's lineup, uh, but he's been a big key their offense so if, if he's not there that's a big piece uh, that'll be missing uh 14 homers or 14 excuse me four homers and 14 rbis in his first eight games with the Sox. so he's been spectacular so if he's not there that obviously helps with with tampa bay's chances of, of limiting that lineup um but I'm, I'm excited you know i really am excited to see Corey kluber back right uh, that he was somebody who was so beloved by this pitching staff um last year just you know i mean he's a robot and speaking to the media so you don't really get to know his personality but when he's off camera like he jokes with the guys. I, I think I've seen him smile like probably three times, but those three times, uh, you know, he's, he's having fun. He's joking. You know, he's the first one to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, rib the, the other pitchers, you know? And so um, he's so well-respected by the staff. So it's going to be nice to see him back. I'm happy he got a chance in Boston to continue his career. And uh, he was, he was really beloved by these guys. So it'll be a cool reunion for him too. Uh, and then our pick a player, uh, Ryan, starting with you. So what we try to do is, if you want to pick one position player and one pitcher, if you want to do, um, you know, two, one and one, whatever it might be. But we usually try to pick like a player that that we pinpoint in a series to either be a guy that, that we want to continue success um, or a guy that maybe hasn't had success recently. And we want them to have a big series. Is there anyone that that stands out to you? Man, there's been so many people on this lineup right now. <laughs> and this pitching staff that's having success. Like, how do you pick one? Um, you know, I want to highlight one guy in particular, uh, and he hit the grand slam today. That's Brandon Lau. Um, you know, I think he is such a key part of this lineup, but also a key part of this clubhouse. Um, he's become quietly one of the team leaders, um, too, now that Kevin Kiermeyer is, is departed. Um, him and Shane McClanahan, they, they, they're next to each other. They, they basically share, you know, a, a, you know, a locker. And so, I'm really excited to see him continue to to thrive. His back issues last year, I think, were worse than we we really got you know and had known. Um, it really affected his swing and his confidence. And and when he's confident, there's there's really not a more dangerous hitter in this lineup. And that's saying something with a lineup that features guys like Wander and Randy Rosarena. So I think Brandon Lau, you know, uh, you know, is, is going to have some success against what should be a, a pretty right-handed dominant 
uh, you know, rotation for Boston in the series. Um, so I'm really excited to see Lau continue to swing it because he is such a key piece to this offense. Uh, Evan, yeah, and anyone that for, you... the, for for the record, he was my pick a player before this A series. So I'm I'm going to take credit and, for that one. And he's mine um, every series. Just saying, the, maybe I should maybe yeah. I should start picking him more. But that, um, that's the running joke because he's a Maryland guy and he's my favorite player on the team. So I figured I that was <laughs> that was a connection there. Yeah, yeah, I was. I I like to say I was the first person on campus to wear a Brandon Lau jersey. So I'm going to stick with that until it's not true, which I don't know if anyone else will contest that. So. But uh, so my my position player, I'm gonna pick Yandi because he he hasn't had a very strong start to the year. Um, not to say not that's probably the only bad thing that's going wrong for the race so far is that he's off to kind of a slow start. Plus, he absolutely dominated the Red Sox last year. I swear every game. I don't have the exact stats in front of me. You but call I swear two every- homers and six RBIs. I mean, average wise, he might be be off to a rough start. Yeah, but, I, I, but that's that's what he's known for, though. Like he's more so known for his average. But yeah, I, oh, I want I, I want to give you this though. So just to just to kind of just to refute that a little bit. Oh. He has four. <laughs> he has four batted balls hit at 110 miles per hour this season. That is fourth most in baseball behind Jarcalo Stanton. So Jeez. he's bashing the baseball. I, I think it, he's been a victim of of kind of hitting it a little bit too hard at guys, but Yandy Diaz, by the way, he's somebody who, and I thought, I, I don't want to take us on a tangent here, but I talked to Chad Matola about him and he played last year, which he was the Rays' most consistent hitter last year outside of Harold Ramirez. He played last year, like his net meal was depending on it. Like that's, that was the mentality he had. Now that he got the contract, Matola told me like, he still plays, like he still has that mentality, even though the team believed in him, like he still has this, like, I have to fight for my life mentality. But Matola told me they're getting more creative with him. Like he, he can have a little bit more creative at bats. He can, he can try to hit the ball the opposite way a little bit more, um, and not hit try home, to pull, hit, hit, hit home hit runs. More, exactly. Hit more like, so I, I actually like, yeah, I do get like he's he usually is is a hit per average guy for this team, but he's hitting balls really hard, which I think is a testament to like the approach that he has this year, which is like I'm just going to go out there and be creative. And I, I to go off your point, I talk, I said this last podcast, but. He had so much pressure on him last year too. Like, I mean, throughout the season, he was probably he he was. I don't think he was really injured at all. And if he was, it was for very minor things. He was he, he, he was had, one of he was one of very few guys that he, was healthy for for most of the season. He had all the pressure in the world on him last year because it seemed like if he had a bad night, the Rays were going to lose just because of how limited they were in terms. Well, of- also you you say that Evan, like since the beginning of 2021, the Rays are 41 and 15 when he reaches base at least three times. Like he's, if he gets on base, like this team wins ball games. Like that's yeah. that's how how critical he is. And that's what you want from your leadoff hitter. You can still so- pick him, by the way, Evan. Just don't 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 let Ryan's yeah. refuting point change no, change your pick. No, I'm still <laughs> picking him, but <laughs> more so specifically because he dominated the Red Sox last year. He, I don't know, maybe it was Fenway. He hits, like you said, he hits hard balls that in Fenway, that's great for a right-handed hitter because it'll be a long single or an automatic double with the green monster there. But it seemed like every game against the Red Sox, he absolutely dominated their pitching. And I think he's going to, he's going to, he's going to still continue to hit the ball hard, but he's going to find the holes this, this series. Mm. Anyone else or just, or just Yandy? I'll, I'll just stick with Yandy and, okay, and cool. Poche, Poche, just because he's my guy. He's my guy. <laughs> it's your guy. Love his um, relationship with him. Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going with Bilal. Um, I I love the fact that he had a five RBI game today. I understand four of those came off a grand slam, but an RBI still an RBI. So that was great to see. Uh, it's kind of funny because Maryland got their butt kicked by uh, Rutgers in baseball, but they still won the series. So good vibes. But yeah, I'll continue with Bilal. And then did I? I don't know who I went with last series. I feel like did I did I go with the catcher? I, I might I have gone. Um, because I, I know that. I know the catching's really if there's like a weak point on the team, catching's really been the weakest point, I would say, uh, between Mejia and Bethancourt. And I I think it's just gonna happen where someone's gonna heat up at some point and this isn't going to last. Uh both of them are more than capable hitters and Mejia has shown more than enough flashes with the Rays and same thing with Bethancourt. So if uh, I'll just go with the general standpoint of catching having more offensive success in this series, whomever it is behind the dish. I think that's a, I, I think that's and, a safe point to say. And by the way, while just a note on the catchers, while they may not be, you know, crushing the baseball at the plate, 
Like these guys are are so critical to this pitching staff. Um, you know, and I've I've spoken, I spoke with Christian Bethencourt at length on Friday, actually, because it was his first game against the A's, who obviously traded him to the Rays. And he talked about like just how comfortable they are. Like, and I and I asked Jeffrey Springs about Bethencourt. He's like, Yeah, there's times where I don't even have to ask him. Like he knows like where I'm going to go, like what what pitch I want to dictate at points and at bats. And that was the one thing that impressed Kevin Cash the most with Bethancourt when he came over last year is how quickly he got acclimated to the pitchers and how much better he wanted to be defensively. So yes, while, you know, and the narrative around the team for a long time has been that they haven't been able to find a great catcher offensively. Those two guys are so good defensively and so good with this pitching staff that that, that is where their biggest impact is. And that doesn't show up in a box score or, you know, when they go over four, but it, it, it is something that's very critical to the success of this team. Mm. We've had we've had some pretty good catcher offensively too. I don't know where that narrative comes. Uh, Wilson I mean, Ramos, Zania, Zania just, was you know I Wilson Ramos, Travis Darno back, Travis Darno and Mike Zanino. Like, yeah, Mike Zanino made an All Star game, and he hit a I home think, run in the All Star game. Like I think people are still still upset they passed on Buster Posey. Like I think that's like that's like the biggest like. I'm more upset that they didn't to, re-sign Darno. Darno was such an easy re-sign. It was so affordable. Hey, Tim but, Beckham was a good guy. He was a good does, player. It doesn't. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I did want to say, so, so you bad. said Jeffrey Springs. This is just a clear up for, for, for anyone who's confused by the Jeffrey Springs meme um, that, that we put out. He pitched in the only he, – he pitched in the one spring training game that was at Disney, hence the fact that it's at Disney Springs. So if you didn't know that, that's why we did it, and I really don't feel like changing it. So it's just going to stay like that for the rest of the season. I don't care. So as an aside, that, that was just a random aside. Yeah, so it should be a very exciting series. I don't know how long this winning streak is going to uh, continue for, but um, like like Ryan was talking about, it's just better to enjoy it right now because it's it's so funny that that all of these random comparisons to all these old teams are happening and just I, I just think that we're with with how bad with how many injuries there were and with the lack of offense that existed that race fans don't know what to do with themselves right now because we don't know how to process just offense i think that that's a major thing we can process pitching the offense part is is just a wild concept to us it seems like but yeah i think with that being said i think that's going to conclude things ryan thank you so much for coming on uh we appreciate you taking the time talking with us talking about what's going on with valley Uh, i know that people will be able to see you on the broadcast for much of the season but um, if people want to continue to follow you and what you're doing, uh, where can people find you out on social media and whatever other gig you got going on? Yeah, I appreciate you you saying that. And and Alex and Evan, it's been my pleasure. And again, I know we've been trying to get this uh, on the schedule for a while, and I'm I'm grateful you guys work around mine. In addition to my role with Bally, I you know I work for News Nation as a national correspondent here in Nashville, oh. which is where I am right now. Wait, really? Uh, I, I work for Nextstar. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm a national correspondent for News Nation. I, I, I uh, work out of Nashville, so I fly up here in between series and uh, and, and report for them uh, when I can. So so in addition to that, and I, I also work with a, a local PR company uh, in St. Pete. I shouldn't have, no, a national PR company, I should say. So balance a lot of roles. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys being patient with me, but uh, always on Twitter, ry underscore bass. You can follow, you can uh, find me there. Same uh, handle on Instagram, ry underscore bass. Um, you know, I say this, um, you know, with great humility, fellas. Um, I have the best job in the world, and I'm so grateful um, to work with the team that we do and um, to to cover the team that we have in in our city. And um, to every Rays fan that flips on a broadcast or says what's up at the ballpark or compliments my sneakers. Um, I appreciate you, uh, each and every one of you. And so thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting Rays Baseball. And, and thank you for supporting this podcast too, guys. Um, always grateful for the work you guys do and helping our fans uh, feel more connected to this team. And so anytime you guys need me, I'm, I'm more than happy to make myself available. Yeah, I was, Thank you so uh, much. I, yeah, I was going to say that that I wanted to extend an open invitation for you to come on the pod as much as possible. And also, um, uh, Nashville is a great place, not for a major league baseball team, meaning, meaning Rays relocating, but just great place in general to go well because the expansion team should go to north carolina too so uh i think the music city will have something to say about that before it goes to charlotte but i should uh, go to montreal they they should the national there's there's way more people way more people in charlotte listen i I know a few folks here in nashville that would love to have a uh, a major league baseball team position right next to the tennessee titans new stadium that's going to get built so um (laughs) yes uh, I, i do think this city deserves baseball 
And trust me, when I wear my race stuff, which I do very often here, everyone's like, ah, I can't wait to have them here in Nashville. And I'm like, <laughs> not going to happen, but I hope you guys do get a team. So, but, um, but no, seriously, fellas, and whenever you need, I'm happy to come on once a month, once every other month, whatever, whatever you guys are looking for, uh, any perspective I can provide and um, any way I can get back, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. That, yeah, that's all right. Awesome. Nashville, Nashville can have the team. We'll just North Carolina will have the best uh, dynasty in <laughs> minor league baseball in <laughs> in history with the Brewers Bulls. That's fine. Touche. Yeah, it works. But oh, Ryan, well, one last question: Do you know your schedule yet? Are you going to be working the Boston series early June? Do you know in Boston? Yes, yes. I'm flying to Boston, um, so I'll be. I think it's the second, third. And fourth, and they have a double header on that Saturday in Boston. So I'll be watching that series. Sweet, because my bro- my older brother, he's a Rays fan. He lives in Boston, and I'm flying up for that series. So heck yeah, well, I'd yeah. love to see you. I'll uh, I'll make make time. Fenway's, <laughs> a, awesome. Fenway's a great place to catch a ball game. So it is it is my favorite ballpark. I will say that I love that ballpark so much. <laughs> well, uh, I think with that being said, that's going to conclude things. Um, again, Ryan, thanks so much, and thanks so much for everyone for listening. We continue to appreciate the support. We're up over 5,100 followers now on Twitter, and we're continuing to grow things on Instagram. And I still don't know how the heck you guys love us so much and want to support us, but I will continue to throw out stupid memes and content so you guys can consume that because it's it's honestly a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, again, Raise the Roof TV on our social media accounts, so that's Instagram and, and Twitter are the main things right now on the podcast. Continue to support it uh, as you guys have been. Again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and as always, raise up. Happy Easter and raise up, baby.